Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had. And I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design, still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. And years of travel, and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listened to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Mark Dyson. Now, Mark is principal and founding principal of a firm called Klein Dyson, which is based in Tokyo. They win tons of awards. I'm not even going to get into how many. Um, he's not only just the founder of that, he's also the founder uh, with his partner in Klein Dyson of Pitch Kucha, which is something else that most of you should have heard of in the world. And if you haven't, then get on and find out about it. It's actually really amazing. And amongst lots of other things, which we will discuss, uh, this is going to be one of those really exciting, and we're going to have to, both of us are going to have to try and stay on track because we both would <laughs> run down a rabbit hole just to see a rabbit. Um, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adrian. Really nice to be here. <laughs> so good to meet you online again. I met Mark uh, in Australia over Christmas, and uh, he was staying with some friends of mine and friends of his. And uh, anyway, we took the opportunity to go and drink coffee 
in a little local cafe and talk design and life and all those good things. And we said, let's share this. Let's share this. So here we are to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Very so good. Mark, I know that it's snowing in Tokyo this morning. We <laughs> yeah, were just exactly. having a laugh about that. <laughs> it was funny because I put I put the snow tires on the car yesterday uh, without looking at the weather forecast, and then this morning uh, yeah, this it's forecast heavy snow. Mate, you're a futurist. Uh, we, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty well done. Anyway, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've made it to the office, so we're all good. <laughs> it's getting out of the office that's more important. Skiing <laughs> exactly. this weekend. Uh, snowboarding. Yeah, we're going up to yep. use hour. It's um it's a three hour drive from Tokyo. Yeah, uh, where they've got about four meters of snow. Yeah, yeah, nice. So, nice. um, pretty full on. Yeah, so it's good. oh, that'd be awesome. Really, really good. Um, let's start with a little bit about like how an Englishman ends up in Tokyo. <laughs> but let's go back before he ended up in Tokyo and just uh, why an architect? Why an architect? What happened? Yeah, well, what went um, wrong I... in your path that you ended <laughs> exactly. up in an architect? <laughs> So um, I grew up in Northamptonshire in the UK. So um, that's about an hour north of London. Um, it's equidistant between Cambridge and uh, Oxford and L London and Birmingham. It's right mid middle England. And if we took the car to go on holiday in the summer, it'd be a five-hour drive in any direction to find the sea. So really, really the centre of So you England, never you saw know. the sea as a child, is what you're saying? Well, we did. <laughs> we used to go for a week, but it was a big deal to get the car checked out, you know, and they were going to drive for five hours somewhere, you know. So, um, But um, what happened um, in um, the late 60s, um, there was um, a movement to build a series of new towns uh, mm -hmm. around London to try and reduce the overcrowding and Milton Keynes was yeah. uh, uh, designated as a new town and that's in built basically in the countryside uh, around where we uh, lived in fact we're in Northamptonshire and at the bottom of our garden is a river ooze and that's the boundary between Northamptonshire and North Bucks which is where Milton Keynes was built so yeah, at about right. the age of eight they started building this new town and the first thing they built was the the central business district um, and the Milton Keynes Shopping Centre was put in, which was just like a massive Miesian space station. I obviously didn't know who Mies was at that point, but there was this incredible building built in the middle of all these fields. You know, it's on quite a high a point. Of so the they kind of started with that. They started with Correct. Getting... Yeah, they started with a place called Lloyd, Lloyd's Court. Yeah, um, right. And then uh, that was that became the architect's office, and then the shopping centre was built, and they spread this uh, huge um, master plan. It was based on Frank Lloyd Wright's Broadacre City, this flexible one yep. one kilometre grid, yep. and it was built for yep. about a quarter of a million p people. And I think they're up to about a million now. It's been super wow. super successful. Um, wow. So I saw that going on and kind of wanted to be an architect. Um, I also had a really bad stammer as a kid, and and I, I sort of found solace in making things, models and things. But it's kind of weird. I I still stammer depending on the day and how you're feeling. It's something that doesn't how much go whiskey away. you've had, yeah. Um, but there, but there I am running a global talk event. You know that's mm. kind of kind of mm. quite ironic, really. But we'll anyway, get to that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's how I sort of got into architecture, seeing this new city being built on our doorstep. At that point, I didn't realize that Richard Rogers, Norman Foster, um, 
all of the, all of you know um, Ralph Erskine. They're all make they're all making some of their first moves in in in, in housing in in in, yeah, in Milton Keynes. Right. And then all from right. about about from about fourteen onwards, I started working in the architect's office at the, at the development corporation. Um, and so, why? How? What happened? Just well because I just wanted you to wouldn't be an leave. architect. Why, why I didn't wanted they to give be you an architect. Job? I wanted to be an architect. My mum sort of had a chat to the guy at the local bank. Said my son wants to be. I said, "Well, yeah, he should go and work at. Um, he should go up to Lloyd's Court." He went. We were banking at Lloyd's Bank. Okay. And Lloyd's Court, there was some some connection anyway. Yep. That's we're in there. The development corporation were in their building, so I started going uh, there. I was doing te technical drawing uh, at, at O school. level, yeah, at school at fourteen. So I was pretty good at that, and so I started, you know, doing little drawings. And then when I was sixteen, they said I spent a whole summer there, and they said, you know, well, we're going to give you a project, and we wanted you we wanted you to, to draw this score hut. On a cricket pavilion, on on a cricket ground, it's called Oldbrook. Yeah, sixteen and years old. Sixteen years old. They gave me this little score. It's going to have a little. Uh, well, what it was, it was actually the first fiber optic. It was the first fiber optic system they'd ever put into a, um, you know, a housing development in the UK. It was British yeah, wow. Telecom, yeah. and they wanted a remote building to monitor that system, and it had to be away from development in a little building. And they put it on the cricket ground, and they made it the score hut. Okay. And it had a little balcony on it and a little picture roof and stuff. And I did all the drawings for that. Yeah, everything. Then I went to see it being built. And so when I went for an inter interview at university, I'd already got a building designed and built in my portfolio. I'd have a portfolio, you know. <laughs> right. So by by 18, I got a little building done, you know. So it's pretty, Wow, pretty how funny. amazing. Um, so uh, it was a really great experience, you know. And, and um, I went off to Newcastle University. I kept dropping back at the development corporation, I began to realize that it was quite a quite a famous place to be working, but all by chance, you know. Yeah, really. It was because um, it was in the local neighborhood. Exactly, exactly. Amazing. And then and then there's a lot of people over from um, a lot of architects working there from the US. So mm -hmm. most of them had worked for Mies. Then they'd gone to work. So when when Mies did, did, didn't didn't pave it very well and they got <laughs> a couple of kids, they moved to Skidmore Owings and Merrill to S S O M. Um, who I actually, and, and yeah, I'll come to that in a second. So, um, and then there was, you know, then they were invited to come and work on this new city, city development in the UK and the people moved to, 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 to the UK. So lots of Americans there. So, um, so and they really, gone. The, I was going to say, so the genius of putting Milton Keynes and taking Frank Lloyd, Light, Frank Lloyd Wright's model of, of that idea and putting it together absolutely worked. And yeah, they built and because a shopping center to get people to come first. Correct. Yeah, and um, that, that and meant it, that they drove past the real estate. Yeah, and and the the thing was that it's a really bit of beautiful rolling landscape, you know, or mm. countryside. Mm. And this flexible grid mm. went around the existing villages, whether it was Great Linford or Stony Stratford, where we yeah. live, and it incorporated all of those. And the idea was that each city block, each one kilometre grid block, would have you know a school, housing, small shops. Um, there was, um, I, I mean, in, in that that infrastructure was really held um, held well. Um, you know, it was was a great um, a great framework to build a city on. It's got cycle tracks all the way through the city. Um, they've really made these linear parks which run along the rivers and where all the balancing lakes are for for the water. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it, it really is um, an amazing place. You know, I think they they planted five million trees to start with, um, and wow. you actually can't see much of the city when you no. go through it. So, because yeah. I haven't been there in many years, and I, like I had no idea either. Like no idea. So, and then it was kind of funny because they they um they um incentivize a lot of Japanese firms to move there. So Alps Electronic Company. So there was a lot of Japanese influence there. There's a like a Japanese pagoda was built, there's a Japanese school there. Yeah. Uh, um and uh it's been quite interesting. Uh so there was a connection to Japan building there. Mm. Um mm. and and then you know, I sort of learned from the guys um uh, the development corporation, the architects there, that there's a, you know there's a big Japanese influence in Frank Lloyd Wright, mm -hmm. and to some extent Meese, mm -hmm. and um, you know so that so then what happened was I went to Newcastle University, and then for my year out I went to Chicago uh, in between degrees, um, so just you, because through the connections from the people at development corporation said that's you need you should go to <laughs> young architects should go to Chicago that's uh, yeah and learn yeah. you know and, and while you're there so I spent a year in Chicago. Um, wow. How fascinating. And, while I was, and then while, while I was in Chicago, Derek Walker, who was the uh, head architect and master planner of Milton Keynes, became the professor at the Royal College of Art for, for architecture and interior design. So he'd, he'd been running, he'd been the, uh, you know, he's the main force behind Milton Keynes. And I'd also spent some time in his office. Um, and then he got appointed professor at the Royal College of Art. I got a note from him saying, I hope you're not thinking about going back to Newcastle because I really want you to come and study at the Royal College of Art. Um, so I went back to, so I did three years in Newcastle, yep. a year in Chicago, and then went to the Royal College of Art, which was, a, you know, it's a fantastically prestigious school. Yeah. And um, it was amazing to get in. Um, there are only, only 15 people, 15, 20 people per year, yeah, in the architecture and uh, design department. Um, and that's where they, they do architecture and interior design as one course, yeah. And yeah, everybody, right. the architects yeah. have to do the interiors, and the interiors have to do the architects bit. Um, oh, wow. uh, and that that was really the RCA is is really fascinating because it's it's a postgrad, it's only postgraduate um, design, yes. And yes. just the inspiration there from the car department, the fashion department, the sculpture department, printmaking. Um, uh, industrial design. Um, you know, it was just Every, kind of ev everything's like it's like a pressure cooker of yeah, just yeah. creativity and, and cross pollination. And each, exactly. And each day you walk through the gallery, there was something else amazing there. Yeah, yeah a bit being, being you know people having reviews and different things. So that that really really it, it really moved things on for me because when I was at Newcastle, it was really an architect's. Uh, architect school for architects sort of thing very serious yes. uh, which gave me a really good grounding in you know in damp proof courses i was and, about to say and um, being serious insulation <laughs> and you know so you know you can come out of that and basically build a house yeah yeah uh but that's that's about it um and um you know but it was it was a really good good grounding yeah oh and then, absolutely it was a great foundation and then to take the other where it just blows your mind, where it just lifts, elevates everything. Um, yeah. There's the excitement. There's the the piece when it goes, okay, well, we've got the grounding, so where's the creativity? And where's exactly. the innovation? Exactly. And where do you think from there? Mm. And that's where I met Astrid. So Astrid, yep. my business partner um, yep. of 40 years now. Uh, yeah, getting up getting up there, yeah. Um, over <laughs> over 30, we should say, I think. Is that yes, um, I think that's the so polite Astrid way of saying it. <laughs> so Astrid was 
uh, an interior designer there. Yeah, she was in the interior design. She was yes. taken on as an interior designer. I was taken on as an architect. But as I say, the courses you do were both combined. anyway. Yeah, yeah, and um, we yeah we ended up winning um, some scholarship money. Astrid won the Richard Rogers uh, Prize bursary. And I applied to Milton Keynes Development Corporation for a travel scholarship and won two and a half thousand pounds. Um, and we were kind of going out at that point, I think. Um, yep. And we thought it'd be really great to go. We were all you know, fascinated by Japan. And um, so we decided to, to, to go off to Japan together. And one of our tutors, Kit Olsop, said, you know what? You're going to go to Japan and never come back. <laughs> and he was right. He was absolutely right. You know? That's right. He um, was a futurist as well. Yeah, yeah. And the other, the other. So our other tutor was James Gowan. Okay. Um. So from Sterling and Gowan, really, really famous guy. But, but you know, old Scottish, older Scottish guy. Um. And I, I sort of struggled in the first year of this two-year course at Royal College. I kind of struggled because I'd come from a university before that had spoon-fed me. Uh, things do this do that you'll get a good grade sort of thing you know but James they wouldn't ask yeah they don't tell you anything you know uh you've got to commit and do something before they'll tell you whether it's right good or bad yeah there's no there's no encouraging you you know you're, yes. you're kind of yeah. on your own you know? yeah it's and sink gotta, or swim gotta, sink yeah. or swim yeah because we're not here to tell you how to do it we're here to yeah, see if you can it, do it yeah yeah and, and you know he said you, you're going to leave college and you're probably going to win a job or you know win a competition and get a commission uh in three or four months after you've left college and what are you going to do ring, ring me up come back to college and ask me you have to decide <laughs> for yourself so fast forward to astrid and i arrive in japan um before we arrived we wrote to 10 of the most famous architects in japan which was a challenge in itself because there's no internet okay so how the hell do you find the address the postal address of Izozaki to Dawando. And again, they're not in books. Uh you it's a real So how did you? But this is so, this is again going back to what James told you. <laughs> it's so, like get yeah. this stuff done. Like it, it's I'm not gonna tell so you the how. Way, the way it happened was uh I I we finished we were so I was moonlighting at the when I was at the Royal College, I was doing some work for Skid so Skidmore Owings and Merrill from Chicago moved to London to build Canary Wharf. And mm -hmm. well, first of all, Bishopsgate, then Canary Wharf. I was employee number five at SOM in London. And then um, so we I was spending a bit of time there. So I was chatting to Roger Coleman, who was running the office. He said, Well, you know, if you want to go to Japan, David Chipperfield's just been there. I think he's done a bar or something. Let's have lunch with David, you know. Yeah, so have lunch let's with Let's go to the club. <laughs> exactly. You know. So I had lunch with David and he kindly bought some a an A3 photocopy of a bunch of business cards, okay? I haven't told this story to anybody else before, so it's quite interesting. But, <laughs> the, the cat's out uh, of the bag now. I'm sure David won't mind or, yeah, or, or yeah. Roger. Um, yeah. um, so um, he bought this, there was like these A3 photocopies, and he went through and circled different people's cards. And um, one of those cards was a guy called George Kunihiro, again, who super, super friends with still. Uh, and he said he's, you know, he, um, he, he sort of works with Tadao Ando, but he speaks pretty good English. And uh, might he might be a key for you? 
Because um, he speaks pretty good English or? Yeah, yeah, because he speaks pretty good English. And, and I think there are a couple of addresses on the business cards. Uh, no, I, I think we had, all, we managed to get all the addresses maybe from the, I, I can't quite remember, but we wrote some of these, we got from the, the yellow from, pages. From, from, from the, from, from David Chipperfield's photocopied uh, books. Amazing. You know, um, or his, his business cards. And then. Can you, can you just imagine saying to, you know, you're one of your kids now. Um, you've got to go and find the 10 best architects in wherever, and there's no social media whatsoever. <laughs> no, no internet. So well, they, they would so just look I'm, at you blankly. They wouldn't even know where to start <laughs> turning over the first stone. Yeah. So um, we, we, we wrote to, what we did, we sent, uh, I can't quite remember what happened. We, 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 we made, oh, that's right. We, we made these amazing portfolios. Uh, through SOM, yeah. So, so I helped. I helped Crawford's the printers, the the initial printers for SOM that were printing all these drawings. Yep. I, I I sort of interviewed them and, and pointed them as the the printer for Skidmore and Merrill. So they very kindly printed <laughs> these amazing portfolios, ten incredible portfolios, which we sent out to these architects. Okay, we never got any reply or no. anything. And these were like beautiful things. Nothing happened. Have you still got one? And then we wrote to them. I guess that now we don't, but maybe Ito-san has. Uh, but I remember that that we'd, we'd, we'd looked up in GA, all of their kanjis, so Toyo Ito's kanji, and we'd had that printed in red. It said dear, and then it got the, like a hanko there. We'd oh, gone wow. to town on, on these wow. things. Nothing nothing came nothing back. back. Nothing uh, back. Nothing Just back. Silence. And then I think silence. And then we we wrote to, to well, we faxed um, George Kunihiro, and he said, well, um, he said, let, "Let me check. Let me find out. I, I you know, I know Ando San. So yep. he said, "No, no, they've they've definitely got. He's he's got his portfolio, but they really don't know what to reply. They don't know what they to do with what, it. What to do. <laughs> so we'd said that we were we were looking for. You know, we were visiting Japan, and it'd be great to meet you. And if there was a chance, of, it wasn't. We want a job. We we being pretty. But he said, "Well, thing you should do is I You're think being you should very just come English. To, he said you should English. just come to Japan." You should just come to Japan, and I will tell everybody that you're coming, and I will make sh- I'll make sure you get the telephone number if you come, and then you can ring up when you arrive and make and set up a meeting. So we we flew to Japan with our scholarship money anyway, and as a, as as an aside, we thought well we're ringing up these architects, but, but we're not going to be seen by anybody, yeah. But you know, we phoned everybody up from. I can remember the phone box we phoned everybody up from, and everybody agreed to meet us. Izozaki, Ando, Fumihiko Maki, the whole star gang. You know, yeah. You imagine right. a Japanese architect writing to all the architects in London, and yeah. what sort of reception they would get. They would. You know? They would. Even if they sent a most beautiful portfolio, that would just end up <laughs> going down the road to somebody to copy it. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, we're always very generous with people that that make an effort. There's no, you can't walk in our door and we're going to see you. But if you write to us and and there's you know go through a, a bit of a formal process, we're yep. always very generous with our time to meet people that are visiting uh, Japan. So we we met we met all of the main architects within within three weeks of arriving in Japan. And, and Ando-san nice. said, "Come and you know, if you're down down in Osaka, you can stay uh, with, with with us. You can sleep in the model studio. Uh, I'm teaching in Colombia." But our our office will sh- show you around Osaka and Kyoto, and sh- and then we stayed there for a week. Um, I've got slides of us staying in his. It was in, in his model third, studio, on the thirteenth floor of an apartment b- building. You know, so, wow. 
was really amazing what an know, incredible and... incredible um journey to get you to that point and obviously at some point there you know astrid's work and your work was worth them looking you know they they didn't politely um <laughs> yeah we weren't wave we've... you off <laughs> we yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah oh no we've moved our uh offices to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't but drop the, by the, the... <laughs> so just just to finish that off how we how we actually how we actually stayed in japan is we met toyo ito um and i could remember that really clearly too because we went to his office and we'd had these really nice business cards made they were etched metal and mats but they were metal business cards and so we went to his office with our portfolios and stuff and um he uh we sat down and that for 30 minutes we talked in in you know okay english uh about business cards and he explained all about his business card and the kanji on it and our business cards said, sorry i've got i've got i've got to go now you know, we're like, dude, we got up for you. Know. He said, "Oh, he said, oh, come. Um, why, why didn't you come around to my house on Saturday? You know, yeah, <laughs> and, right. uh, that's that's how um, you know we went we went into his house uh, to to Silver Hut, and um, he said, I've you know I've um, um uh, no, that's, that's that's two stories. The first story is um, he um." So we went to his house and then he said, come around my office. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've got a project to show you. So um, about, about a week later, we went around to his office. He was, he was away. Um, and there was this, so we went into this room and there's a, there's this guy there who's, who wants us to design a hair salon. Uh, That's Toyo the project said we he wants good. to show you. Yeah. Yeah. That was a project. I thought he was going to show us a house or something. Yeah. 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 But he's, he's, no, this is, a, this is a project. And, um, uh yeah this guy wanted us to do a hair salon in Ginza um it's for it's for 30 pe people it needs to be open on this day he actually went to the architectural association himself and so he spoke pretty good english um and when could you start on the job <laughs> so it's exactly what james gowan had said we arrive <laughs> within 3 weeks you get a project you have to decide for yourself guys you know yeah. and it was like <laughs> Oh like, shit! Oh, kind of unbelievable, <laughs> and that's that's how we that's how we started working in Ito's office. Um, and the deal the deal turned out to be he just won um, the ticketing offices for JAL around the world, right? And needed needed somebody in his office that could speak English and Astrid speaks French and German and and be be suddenly had to be international. And we wow. just arrived at that right the, that that it's moment. And he felt, well, it'd be difficult if they just maybe I'll have, I'll have to give them uh, a little bit of something else as well, you know, so that so I can get them on the JAL project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got so, to butter uh, my bread. So so cunningly, he buttered his bread, and that the one project would hold you long enough to get you to the next project, and then away it goes. Yeah, and so um, we were really the first people to work in his office. P Peter Poulet from. Um, who was um it was an Australian architect. He he'd spent a couple of uh weeks there interning at some point just before us. And then we I think, but we were like the first uh the first salaried uh people, foreigners to work with Ito's. And there was only like eight people in his office then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So an astronaut night, it was so small, astronaut night had to share an A3 drawing, uh, was an A2 drawing board. And, and all the drawings were done in A3 because they could photocopy them. They had no bigger everything yeah, was nobody, done on A3. Yeah. Yep. That was yep. uh, back in back in eight, that was 1988 that was in. Wow. So 
Wow. So that's how we got to Japan. And we, we ended up working for Ito-san full time for our project. Hassalon got finished and published. And then things were starting to really move for Ito. And uh, we stayed there for about a couple of years, a couple of years, almost th three years yep. before we set up on our own. Yeah. That's so fabulous. So fabulous. Was there many challenges to setting up on your own? Like as um, English people, you know, when I say Eng I want to say um, Englishmen, but Englishmen in, in Japan, obviously culturally and all the rest. And Yeah, and but it, it, it sort of just happened by mistake, you know. So yeah. we, we we realize that there's a point there's a point in, I think, when when Western people that don't speak perfect Japanese and can't read and write there's there's a limit to what you can do in an architectural office here yeah so you can make models and concepts and things like that but you can't really go on site no and run you can't deal with and, people um, yeah so and, and for our hair salon you know Ito-san gave us one of his staff to help us yes. but we you can't you reach reach a point where it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult to progress up the ladder within within our in, our, in a Japanese office so at that point we were wondering what to do and then a client came to us because we we, we was because i was british yes. and he said i bought a building and i'd like to renovate it like they do in the docklands so it was an old it was uh -huh. an old japanese apartment building and could you uh could, could could you help us this particular developer was also employing tobias scarpa zaha hadid and richard rogers and this was peak bubble in, just, in Japan, just just a couple of extras on the side, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we were like this, this, this yeah. little young. You were, you young. were probably the tryout. It's like, well, if these guys so, screw it up, I've got the talent over there. We'll get them to do it. <laughs> so, so that's how we left to Toyota's office, and we set up. And uh, this company was called K One. Um, and then immediately, you know, I can change economies in the world. As soon as I do something, I can the bubble burst. You know, as soon as we set up office, <laughs> it's exactly the same. As soon as I invest in. Bit, bit, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, it blows up. It blows up, yeah. yeah. We'll keep everybody <laughs> listening posted for Mark's big drop on Bitcoin. <laughs> so um, that was, that was uh, anyway, We it, it was fine. And uh, yeah, we set up our office in 1992 yep. uh, without being able to read or write, you know, or speak very well. <laughs> um, but somehow you you it, you don't think about that. There wasn't like, oh my God, you know, it, well, it was clearly just Clearly like, it wasn't the barrier that would stop you. No, yeah, and I that think that's was... that's quite interesting, yeah, about mm -hmm. how you get by and how you design things. Um, uh, you know, our, our work sort of um, sort of always speaks for itself uh, because uh -huh. we can't, at least because we can't explain it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's got to be pretty straightforward. Well, that's a good point, um, isn't it? Because, you know, architecture is something that is um, seen rather than spoken. Um, yeah. And you do, whilst there's a journey to that, but ultimately it's what's seen and that journey of that piece. So, and when people are asking for you to, I'm going to say, speak a language, which maybe is architecture, then that's their expectation as well. They, yeah, you know, yeah. You let your pencil Again, it goes to work. Back. It goes back to James Gowan again. James really changed our lives. This this tutor at the Royal mm. College and his architect, and he 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 said that you know uh, during the crits and reviews, he'd say you all talk too much. You all talk too much. You should come in and pin up. You should be working. You know all night, day right and until night, the last and second, last minute, and you come up. You come up the lift 
And the last floor to get to the architecture was step. You go seven on the floor was fashion, and then the eighth was architecture. You go up the steps. You come and you pin up your work. And as you push in the last push pin, you collapse from exhaustion, and the drawings say everything. Because you can't stand outside your building and tell people, look at that, do this, do that. The building must say everything. And it's so true. You know? it, it's um, 100%, so isn't it? It really is. So, I think there's um, a great so lesson of, in that, that that truth of, you know, like you you can't stand outside your building and tell people what to look at. Well, you could. You could. <laughs> Which would be yeah, an interesting exercise in itself. They'd probably have you locked up for being crazy just quietly. <laughs> but on the other side of it, you the, the architecture speaks for itself. It's like architecture doesn't travel only by photographs or only by video, yeah. you know, like it's the yeah, only way yeah, it moves. Yeah. So exactly, yeah. This the excitement of that kind of piece of it is is yeah. Let the let the job do its own talking. Yeah, and so for all of our projects, we always think about that. You know that the what what's you know can a can a five year old kid kind of read it and can a you know an older person still get excited by it? You know, and so we're always looking for that. We're looking. We're not looking for humor, but we're looking for you know we're looking for a twist and a, like a little. A little hook for the project to run on, whether it's the teas for Teesite, our bookstore, and we we use the logo, but it's it was an integral part of the structure of the building. It wasn't just like slapped on. Yeah, yeah. It um, wasn't just a, it know. wasn't just oh, we put one of those <laughs> yeah. over there. Um and so we're always looking for pattern and for and for things that you know help inform uh the architecture. Um mm. but we're, again, we're always looking for that for that big, you know, for that big idea, you know, that that big hook. Yes. And I think, yeah. and I think uh, you can see why I set up that twenty slides, twenty seconds. So I talk too oh, much. You know? oh, about, <laughs> yeah, like well, again, but, this is that thing, though, isn't it? It's like um, it, with all of it, it it's as you say, like there's the hook, there's the there's the the thing that people come, they get caught by, and then it's if it doesn't deliver on depth after that it's just a charlatan it's just a yeah it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it actually still stands out but probably only as a mistake you know or Correct, as, a, yeah. as a poorly done uh building or whatever it is and it, that yeah. happens with marketing everything you know like one of the best things about um i suppose the internet with marketing is is that transparency uh has become you know a model you can't yeah you know, Give it just pre that you could create something, and when you'd create something, it wouldn't really, um, you know, it could be a visual presentation. There could be no substance behind it; just could be somebody's yeah. creative, great yeah. visual presentation. So, from that yeah, point of view, that's the difference. Yeah. You get your hook. Yeah, and we we always say the architecture is only fifty percent of a project. You know, the rest is the content. And yeah. that's really important, yeah. you know, that, that it's so, as I say, we've like signed a lot of bookstores book and without the content and the curation, uh, it's just an empty shell really. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you've always got to, you've always got, and so we work, you know, a lot of our projects, we work closely with a client about that content. And as we, you know, as we progress in our career, we, we end up tending to know more, more than the clients now. Yeah. We've got more experience. Yes. And we're, 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 you know, before the clients were telling us. Yes. <laughs> and now you're opinion. pulling it out. Now, of now we're like, I think you've got that slightly wrong. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so. Do, do you think that came from also having the discipline of being trained with um, interior as well? Like, so, and, yeah, and that cross-pollination? So. 
Yeah, yeah, and we we're interested from, and we won't take on jobs where we only do the design, and then it's we we won't do anything where you know the it, it gets taken from our hands and we don't see it through to the end. Yeah, yes. so that's why we haven't they haven't worked much in China, and when we do, we actually make sure that we're right there. Uh, um, you know, whole we, we can get at least we 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 get at least site f- photos, and we can work with the with the contractor. It's really important for us uh, to see that process all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know, I so, think it's an interesting thing that because if, if the just take it for a house, even if the brief is done right and, you know, you know, the emotions you're going to evoke with the different rooms and different spaces and everything else. Nobody lives outside of the house, by the way. They all live inside the house. So, yeah, the, yes, the outside's important, um, but the form of it's more important than the outside. Uh, than that even and the fact that it lets light air and all those things into it and then the people actually live inside houses and then the the interior design and i I like to always separate that from decoration but the interior design (laughs) is really really important because that's the space they're going to actually inhabit and then there's the decoration which you know makes it more comfortable makes it more interesting adds to it you know it's it's the next layer down you know each piece is falling into place without creating the space first which is the architecture you can't do it so so a word we use a lot is seamless yeah we want the architecture we want we want the building to be seamless and that that that's from that's from the big from the big gesture through to the architecture through to the interior through to the content um through to what type of glasses they're using in the bar type thing you know yeah. it, it is a seamless yeah. one one thing there shouldn't be any any kyokai saying which is boundaries there and, and and the building has to flow you know that that's yeah. that's really really important and when us, that yeah. happens the people who use the building whether it be a house whether it be a building get the sense of that they're now being taken care of but not taken over just that it right it, guides them and then they find detail where they'd never find detail before because their mind isn't stressed looking for the things that it shouldn't be looking for because those things are taken care of with great design and so So that's why we have no joyful yeah and no no signage again or anybody saying look at that go go that way yeah yeah. so i think you don't have to stand outside and point people around (laughs) exactly (laughs) so good a good example of that is our our big bookstore in central tokyo called t-site um, yep. in, in a really nice um, area called Daikinyama. It's about 6,000 square meters of bookstore. It's, wow. it's been run over, over t- t- 10 years old now. Um, but, it, but we we won this project. There were there was there were seventy architects invited, and we got into the final ten. And then we won, and Kengo Kuma and the, all the greats were in the list. And we, it was amazing that we won. We were the only foreign firm. We're not really foreign. Uh, <laughs> we're really, really firm Japanese with, firm run with foreigners. <laughs> but yes. it, it was it was a big it was a big deal for us to to win, and it was amazing. The client trusted us uh, above all these other architects. Um, for, for for this project but it's a bookstore it came and this project was starting that it was the dawn of the ipad it was 11 it was 11 yep. years ago so the ipad had just come out everybody thought bookstores were gonna we, that were was gonna it, die. That but this, yeah uh, but this bookstore singly single-handedly sort of changed people's perceptions of bookstores but the reason i'm telling you that is that again there was the architecture which actually revolves around a big T because it's uh, Sutire is the name of the company. But yep. but we we had this idea of how do you organize a bookstore, and uh, it, it it came through. There was there had to be three buildings on the site because that was the the, the sort of the the, the master planning 
uh, rules in, in that area. So uh, three buildings, 800 square meters, each floor plate, um, two or three stories. Mm-hmm. But down the center of those three, linking them together, we had a thing called Magazine Street. And that's where the magazines for the bookstore would be held. And once, when you found the magazines on on fashion, that's where the fashion books were. When you found the magazines on cars, that's where the car books were. The so interesting this is thing kind of like when you used to go, like, like I remember in London, because I, I worked in fashion for years, and I, we would go to uh, one of those places around off Tottenham Court Road and it was like all the magazines were in that's where we'd go for fashion magazines um we right. didn't have we didn't have fashion behind it but we had well there was but in you know little licensed places and stuff but and then in New York there was a place that we always used to go to because that's where all the magazines were and they were like a big street vendor area and and we'd just right, go to the right. fashion ones yeah like a, a, so, so we had this magazine, and 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 the interesting thing uh, too is this bookstore. Uh, we've done we've done eight of them now around Japan. Yep. Um, yep. It only has lifestyle books. Okay, so fashion, furniture, fashion, interior design, uh, cooking, um, you know, cars, cycles, things like that. Yeah, there, there's no non no novels. No novels um, and no, not too much, no science or anything to do with revision. It's just lifestyle. So and it's entertainment. And there were, so there are 12 lifestyle sections. And um, the other thing it was targeting was premier age. So people over 50 was the target audience because there's nothing for them to do in a city. There's nowhere for them to go, certainly in Tokyo, unless you want to, you don't want to be shopping at Bathing Ape or whatever, it, whatever or, or Off-White <laughs> or whatever it might be, you know. So, so, um, so, so the over 50, uh, you know, the kids are at school, so they've got, got gone off to university. They've got, they've got time. And so money. Second car, second house, anyway, a lot of time on their hands, but nothing to do. And so let's let's try and pluck some cash out of them with a very nice car model or whatever it might be. And that that been super successful. But as 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 the world uh, became more, 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 what do I want to say? More ge- more um, generation Z or more yeah, like, I mean, people, actually, ge- yeah, let's go Gen Z. People became more interested in honest, simple things, and so there's a lot of young people get attracted to this place too. So although it started off as this premier age thing, um, or, or the main the main draw, yeah, uh, for for premier age people, everybody goes there. Um, but this 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 idea of the content which would triggered this. Um, and then this this organization of the books and it's, it's developed because the books are the thing that pull people to the site and and now in our larger stores we, we're doing for them um you know we go from books to magazines to products to services so in the food section you'll have a you know you have a food magazine food books maybe some a lessy saucepans and in the bigger one a cooking school yeah yeah. Right. So we're going. From, we're going from. So it's like a. It's like a shopping mall in reverse almost. So we're going from culture and books out to products and services. Yeah. And in the. So in the in the uh, the one in Shonan we have you know we have the we have the bicycle magazines the bicycle books bicycles and then you can get your bike repaired. So if you've right. got a puncture, you just. It's, so it's a local bike right. shop as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really really interesting. So it's almost uh, a, a lifestyle community. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's where, <laughs> very good. Let's, I travel around the world talking about social retail, okay? because mm. that's what this is all about. Mm. So when you go to the car section, you get chatting to the guy, you'll give him, you'll give him his Meishi, you'll give your Meishi to him. And he'll say, oh, so what's, what car do you drive? Oh, I, I drive a Volvo. I said, oh, you know, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, we've got the Volvo, we've got cars and coffee in the car park on Sunday mornings between 7 and 10. Please come along, you know. And he'll be putting the database into the so into the car department's date, the concierge from the car department, their database that this is this guy, he's got a Volvo. So every time there's a Volvo event, he'll get an e- email about the Volvo event. He won't get it if it's a Rolls-Royce or a Bentley or anything. He'll just be, you know, so they're generating these communities. Uh, within each of the sections of the it's incredible. Uh, store. Yeah, I love that. And and that's um, you know, that's that's really interesting to get people. And it, it takes so that so there are 12, 12 sections, as I said, and there are 12 concierges. The guys and, and women that run the car section do, are not moved around the store, you know, mm. into the food section. They just because they're, they're car freaks and they want to wanna be you know around car people. So each of the sections, they're kind of they're kind of like you know, uh, in Japanese otaku, uh, they're a little bit crazy about what they uh, they're interested in, and and when they actually first set up the bookstore, he put full page ads in the national newspapers saying if you're if you're over fifty and yeah. you're crazily interested in something, uh, get in touch. You know, because we're setting up an interesting new product, and we want people who are fascinated. But I think they may put the list of the things they wanted. Yeah, right. And they got like you know, and they but they did, but also it was the way to advertise the bookstore. Yes. But that's how they got all their amazing, amazing stuff. So the guy that looked after the travel section, he was actually the the, the fixer for NHK, the, the national Japanese yep. t- t- TV um, station here. Um, and he was the guy that got people to go Antarctica and things. He was the fixer for all of the producers and, and people at the TV company. And then he came and ran the travel section, you know. So yeah. he's just a travel freak, you know. And so when you go there, you can chat to people and hang out there, buy a book, you know. And there's a lot of lot of seating there. We're being generous. The books are not sealed. And being generous, we find that that means the clients, the person that's there buying books is, is more generous back and feels like they want to buy a book, you know. And they're not checking it to see if they can get it cheaper on Amazon. They buy it. It's there, an interesting it's... thing, isn't it? Yes, because you know nowadays people walk into the store and they can see if they can get it delivered on Amazon by the time Amazon. they get home. Um, and when you do that, when you create the community, people want to support the community they're a part of, not just get the cheapest price. And like you said, that generosity around you know having books that aren't all sealed, especially lifestyle books. Um, yeah. It yeah. makes a it makes a huge difference when you uh I know when I go into a shop and the books are all sealed, I'm like, ah, how would I know whether I want it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, it's uh, a- I, I don't read it, I want to look at the pictures. And and those books are all but picture based books, you know. They're yeah, yeah. Obviously yeah. rather than That's just a novel. Yeah, it is. It's really it's fascinating. And then you create this community, but in creating that, you create different tribes within the community that also sort of a subculture of supporting each other. All for a yeah. bookstore. Imagine exactly. if, arch- exactly. if, arch- if architecture could do that. Imagine that. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's really interesting. And I, I'd encourage all listeners to go have a look at T-Site and have a look on your website, obviously, and then go and do the research outside of that because go to the store, even better, like 
book yourself to Japan and go to the store. Or if you're in Japan, go to the store. Yeah, it's, it's good value right now with the, with the, with the week yen. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to buy your books. They're cheaper than Amazon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's t- jump to Pitch Kutcher. Um, right. And tell me about that, because I also want to cover off um, A Home for All. So, Okay, yeah. I'm thinking, quick, yeah. We'll a little, do a quick short Pitch Kutcher, because that's what yeah, it's all about. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's 20 slides, 20 seconds. Here we go. <laughs> Six minutes, 40. Here we go. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, um, how did, so how did that all come about? Well, we... Um, you know, we have our Monday morning meetings in the office and and a thing changed, yeah, where you had these things called digital cameras. You didn't have to have slides that had to go and be developed. And then a week later, your slides would come in. Then you got to put them into a bloody carousel and project them. You know, suddenly we had yeah. instant instant photography. And so our Monday morning meetings uh, became uh, where we got Keynote on the Mac. It didn't crash. We had a plasma screen in the office. And so our Monday morning meetings became these little sh- show and tells, these little slideshows, you know. And so if someone's been on site or been to a factory visit or if they saw an interesting building over the weekend, everybody gave a little presentation in the office. And it was really, really interesting. So part mm. of that a little bit. We also ran ran our, uh, our office for some time um, in, a, in a share office environment called uh, called Deluxe. And it was an old taxi warehouse that we found. It was very unusual. About five or six of us got together, small firms, and we 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 ran our office in this in this warehouse, which had a large space where we started to have events. And it was a little bit like the Royal College was the idea that we would get you know people come in, artists or fashion people have fashion shows in our space, and that would help inspire our office. Yeah, so it was like a, a mini Royal College, and we had a graphic designer, a music designer, um, another interior design firm. And a, and a real ale co- company um, called Tokyo Brewing Company all share the same space. Okay, they didn't and, pay rent though. You guys paid them. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so we so we yeah we we sort of drank the rent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, um, so that was that was pretty good. And these events got bigger and bigger, and sort of began to overwhelm the space. So we set up a new space called Super Deluxe. And we just used Deluxe as our office, yeah. So Super Deluxe was a standalone space. So instead of having events just at the weekend like we had in, in Deluxe, we could have them in, 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 in any day the of the month. Yeah. Suddenly we got, we got, we've got to fill 30 days uh, um, a month, you know. <laughs> you burn yourself a monster. Tuesdays and Wednesdays were always dead and nobody wanted to rent it. So our Japanese uh, CFO said, hey, you, you know, there are six of you. You should, you should think, you should also take a night a month and an invent an event yeah so we thought well why don't we why don't we do we you know why don't we do a sh- show and tell um like like we have in the office it's interesting i'd like to see what other architects are doing on site or on their factory visits or what their buildings they're interested in see because yeah. we've got digital photography we've got you know we, we can project it it's very easy to put it together they just send us the slides and we'll show them but you know what architects are like you know what i'm like i talk too much so how do we get and how do we get a, like a lot of presenters in an evening? Because they'll all bring their friends. So if there's there's yes. ten presenters, they will bring five friends. There's fifty folks, and that's that. As help opposed to one up. one presenter, and he exactly. brings five friends, and then you've got six people you know, in the room. Yeah, and then you feel obliged because you've got to take them to dinner, and you know it's all, yeah. you know. It's, and it's, then you've it's spent like... the money. You've doubly <laughs> spent it. You've spent it, and you've spent it, and you've spent it. Yeah. <laughs> so so we we thought well we've got to find a way. So we'll we'll do we'll time the slides. So 10 slides, 10 seconds, that's only a minute 40, it's a bit short. 20 slides, 20 seconds, 
six minutes before he sounds okay 2020 vision da, 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 da. and uh so we set up we set up this sh- sh- show and tell night and we we thought we'd have one anyway let's just have one see how it goes and then Hissa in our office um said well, we, we've got to think of a name yeah so we didn't know it was going to turn into a global event in a thousand three hundred cities you know so we came up with this japanese uh world word called pachakacha which means the sound of chit chat in Japanese, yeah. So it's an onomatopoeia. So how do you actually say it? Because we all say pitchkucha, but like it's yeah, pata- pachakucha, pachakucha, pachakucha. So something like yeah, pachakucha. Um, and it's it is spelt pachakucha, but Japanese people yeah. love shortening things, so it's pachakucha. Um, and yeah, so it's the sound of chit chat. That's it. And um, so we held our first event, and about you know about seventy people came. And a lot of those people in, who came said, I'd love to present next time. Mm. And so um, next uh, week on Monday, we will have our 183rd event. It, and it will be running for ex- on the 20th of February. Um, it will be running for 20 years. So we started in 2003. And it's now, it's now been running nearly every month for, 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 for 20 years. Um, and, and we, we ran for from 2003 to 2006. It just ran in Tokyo as our event. Then we ran it during Tokyo design week and Ron Arad and Tom Dixon people presented and big, big crowd came. And then people said, Oh, I'd like to run that in my city. Can I'd like to run one in London, you know? So all of a sudden we're in, we're in 20 cities around like, just, just like that. We made a very simple agreement that, you know, no, no money should change hands. Uh, we we don't charge for the foolishly we don't charge for the format but but if we did it wouldn't have spread okay there's something that just puts the brakes on it uh, so about we, to say yeah you've got the distance and the growth because of the fact that it doesn't cost anything yeah and the idea was that send us some send us a bit of the door back if if you make it if you make a fortune but most people yeah. run them for free as well yeah so yeah. and running an event it's okay we know it's it's barely break even yeah um even even if you're charging 10, 10 bucks by the time you've paid for your for your space and your rental and your sound guy it, it doesn't it's not a money making it's not mm. money making mm. but anyway this thing we, we made some very simple rules and this started to spread uh, around the world and um yeah we're now in uh we're now in a thousand three hundred cities uh wow. we grow by five ten cities a month still um we slowed down a bit during the pandemic um yep and pre-pandemic, there was a hundred to one hundred and twenty events a month somewhere in the world. We're about we're back to about forty events a month now, um, all around the world. Yeah, and it's been very it's very uh, it's very uh, very popular in Australia. So yes. we're in we're in um, Sunshine Coast and in Brisbane and the and uh, powerhouse there. Uh, we're in I've got we're in Wagga Wagga. We're very strong one in Townsville. Um, we're in Perth. We've been in Tasmania. Um, and sometimes the, the cities run them, and that the organizer is too busy to run them, and they they will disappear a bit. And then some will say, "Well, where is it? Why not? Yeah, why, why isn't, isn't that happening?" Time? And then it'll come back again. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Um, it's super interesting, you know. And, and it's and first of all, it's a really great place for young architects to, or designers or anybody to show their work. Yeah. Yes, and, just and, to be able to show off a bit. And, and because there isn't a place for people to show their work, you know, no. unless you've got a if you've done designed a really nice house for your parents or somebody you can't really have a gallery shop you can invite people there but you can't have a gallery show about a house you know very easily and you have a lecture about a house but you can show 20 slides about it at a pachacha yeah so it's great for people kicking off 
I think that that's part of the excitement of it. You can, like you said, you can condense it and show it like it's. Um, and and I, there was there was an architect in the first couple of the first international ones we had, maybe the, the one during design week, famous architect from the UK, did a house. He he did how he won the competition. Oh, it was a, a small building. I can't remember what yeah. a gallery or something. But he showed he showed the the in twenty slides he showed the competition entry, then the design process, then it on site, and then it finished. And he could do the whole thing. You don't think it's it's not not pop, yep. but it is. Yep. You know? yep, it is. And, um, so it's become really really amazing. Um, yeah, having to, having and, done some presentations like this style of thing, I I very much um, know you can show way more content than you ever imagined before you actually go and do it. And when you go and do it. It, it actually just focuses you right down to talking about what needs to be talked about. It um, yeah. it goes back to um, James Gowan's thing of uh, Gowan's thing of saying, you know, let let the let it do its own speaking, and you don't have to if you're showing pictures and showing diagrams and stuff like that. You don't have you don't to need explain any everything. On them. You don't need any bullet points, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. But we try and tell people take the text off and don't yeah. have don't have six or seven images have one one and let them look listen and think yeah that's the most we've forgotten how to do that because we sit watching and that's why we don't have any vid, vid video you've got mm. to just still images because we've forgotten how to look and listen and, and because we just just you know just tick tock or whatever just pause in and yep. you're not thinking, you know. And but where you've got a still image for 20 seconds, which is really long time for anything to be still, you know. <laughs> and we don't have the bottom third with you know with Anderson Cooper coming up next, all of that stuff. It's just a simple it's image. Just and one image. is better than three, you know. Yes. And so we take a step back, and I think that's why it's lasted for 20 years. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. a longevity there. When yeah. we started, YouTube didn't exist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it did exist, and we tried to video them, but it, it was only like this big in the middle. Of, it was only like six forty. It was six. It's six forty by four eighty was the biggest resolution. Right. Then, you know, which um, so which has a know, massive just these effect as well. Is, mm. is, so um it, so it's been in, and that's why we don't really we we did change so the only thing that's changed is that well, all live events are 20 slides 20 seconds but we yep. found during the pandemic when we pivoted and went completely online and had live events online um it's a bit long um but and, and 10 oh, by really? 20 or 10 by 10 is better um and also we found in schools, uh, so, so schools and universities, lots of kids are using it, especially in schools, 20 by 20 is pretty long for a kid. So my wife runs an international school and they do 10, 10 by 10s. Yeah, and, right. you know, it's a sentence per slide or something. And that, and that does it as well. Yeah. yeah. Although there is, they've had some remarkable 20 by 20s yeah. at, the, at, at the school. I'm not saying the kids can't do it. But, no, no, no. It's um, just um, the, the impact that they can make. If they can make it in 10 by 10 versus 20 by 20, then let yeah. them make it in 10 by 10. 20, which is yeah. a bit of a, you know, if it, if it was a week long or a, two, a month yeah. project, they could do a 20 by 20. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, if you're doing yeah. something quick about a book uh, review, so, you know, just drag some images from the internet, do a little sketch and just yeah. tell us a praise what that chapter was about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it gives them a framework to hang, hang that it, it takes all the um it takes all the fear of making a presentation away. Yeah. Because mm. there's this story arc. And, and we get our students uh, when we teach our Astrid 
as um, a, a professor at Musabi University here. So she gets all their students uh, to, to make, so for their, for their 50 minute review, six minutes, 40 seconds, so 20 slides, 20 seconds about their project. And uh, that, of course, and then when I was teaching too, it was like, students don't want to do it to stuff. Oh my God, you know, it's like, dude, it's dead easy. So, you know, get your sketchbook and take me two shots from your sketchbook. Uh, just uh, focus to zoom in, put 100%. them in there. And that crap, that that crappy model you got, hold it up against a bit of blue sky. A couple of shots of that, you know. Yep. That's four of of twenty. You've done a fifth yep. in yep. three. Yeah. And then I want to see a plan, a section, some more inspiration. I want to see a picture of the site. Please give me a picture of this. That's a good yeah. idea. You know. Yeah. Suddenly you've got you've got a presentation done really quickly, and now they all love making so we do projector presentation six minutes 40 and then eight minutes 20 to review it and then the next student so we keep everybody on time there's there's no one reading poems and good goodness knows what you know we keep it really focused so it's a great teaching tool i can see i can see like (laughs) just how amazing it is as a teaching tool and but also as a just a presentation tool of just getting to the point um moving it forward and you haven't put, you know, a year's work into trying to create this presentation and then it's no good for anything um, or it, it, you know, there's nothing worse. We all know this. There's nothing worse than going to a boring speech on exactly. something. And so and- if you're sitting there and you're going, oh, shit, this is going to be another 10 minutes or another 20 minutes or another 30 minutes, you've switched off and you're gone. Whereas yeah. when it's got pace like that, you go, oh, well, it'll be over in a second if I didn't like it anywhere, if I'm not that And, and that's the whole point, that if, if you don't like the speaker, go and get a drink at the bar and come back again, you yep, know. You've got um, just enough time, yeah. And also, also, you know, brevity is pretty interesting. I, I, I remember going to Rhode Island, uh, and I hope she's not listening, but there's a lovely lady, she did a presentation on seaweed, yeah, and I met her at the bar beforehand. Oh, my God, you know, she was so into seaweed. It was, but she was, it was just too much, you yes. know? Yeah. And uh, so you can imagine just giving her a, le- a lecture on damn seaweed would be, you know, frightening. But her Pachacta presentation was fantastic. You know, she talked about these seaweed bowls that she made that you put soup in and you can actually taste the, taste the seaweed taste before the, seaweed. the, before the bowl, bowl dissolves, you know, and it was fascinating. But if she'd have been there for a whole, you know, hour and well, all night, night, all night listening <laughs> to the story of seaweed, you'd have, yeah, you'd have given up. And then there's an informality to it that then the speakers are at the bar and have a chat. So that we there's no Q and A. Have a yeah. chat to the speaker at the bar, you know. Yeah. And then because there's, because there's ten of them, that one person is not swamped by by yes. by ten people. There's one person chatting to each of the, you know. So it, it, it you know, it's, it's uh, great. It, it well, it do you know? Even if you think it's good, it doesn't really matter. The world thinks it's good. <laughs> they're they're lapping it up. Yeah. So I mean. And, yeah. and we've we've never promoted it. We, yeah. we promote it. In, we promote our event in Tokyo, but we don't promote it around the world. It just it's just gone off on its own, you know. And so that must done prove its thing. We must um, we must do a, a podcast when we use it. Exactly. Yeah, that would be but really I cool. Think, but like, do you know, line up a bunch of people to do a presentation, and we'll you know do it on video format so that they can do their little presentation. But make them do their their thing that way um yeah. with the time thing and it'd be fun to do it'd be fun to sort of look look at how that would develop into something because i think last, it's brilliant 
Yeah, the last little bit about it is it, it's, it's really helped cities discover themselves. Yeah. yeah. To find out yeah. who lives in the city and what do they do. And, oh, that guy lives in our city. And that, you know, that's that's, that's really amazing. It also gives the... Um, it also gives the person running it the keys to the city in a way that they say, oh, I'm running this event, but actually, could you come and present? You yeah. know, so they can call up anybody, whether it's the window cleaner, the baker, the shoemaker, you know. Yeah. Um, that, that's so it's about energizing cities and discovering them, you know. Yeah. So, in, in you know, we've, we've been in tiny, tiny cities, the smallest one is in Accident in Maryland. There's, there's a city called Accident. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's in Maryland. And there's, there's 300 people. It says on the city sign, population 300. Um, we have an event there. Um, and we, you know, we've had them in Kabul, in Afghanistan. Do you regularly get more than 300 at the event in um, accident? Uh, no. <laughs> no. We get, we get 10,000 in Tel Aviv. Can wow. 10,000 wow. people. But they can only fit 2,500 people into, into the, the, the theatre. Yeah. So they run it four times over two days. And so yeah, wow. um, hopefully, and this year's our 20th year saying, and hopefully we're going out to, to Tel Aviv to host what we hope is going to be the biggest pachacha in the world. Yeah. In, in, I love in Tel Aviv. it. Tel Aviv. I'm making so myself cool. a little note. Well, <laughs> I want to segue to your other passion. One of the things that keeps coming up in this is you, your, um, your passion for com creating community and in whichever way, like whether it's architecture or whether it's, you know, a bookstore, you know, and that piece, and whether it's, how do you say it, Patacha? PK. PK. Patacha. No, Pacacha. 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 Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, it creates community. It creates community and discovery of other humans, which I think is really great. Um, I want to segue to finish up on A Home for All and, right. uh, you know, where it came from, and where it's most needed right now. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, that would be so, really yeah, cool. Um, 2011, we had the big, big earthquake here, uh, which is called to to Tohoku. It was a to great, uh, well, it's a great eastern earthquake, or Tohoku earthquake, um, which was up near Fukushima. Um, and obviously, we had the earthquake, then we had the tsunami, then we had, uh, you know, all the complications from uh, the nuclear uh, fallout, you know. So it was a really uh, big disaster. We were actually having a meeting with the client for the bookstore when it hit. Oh, okay, wow, it really? 2.46 on uh, Friday, uh, it was the 11th of March, yeah, 2011. Yeah. And... Um, uh yeah it, 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 it in tokyo which is like 400 kilometers from the epicenter um it it was really strong and it went for three minutes it was just totally just... totally going and that went, so after about a minute so we we were in the in a, we were in a building that was unprotected it hadn't it hadn't had any reinforcing an old building and it really really shook and after and after but so we everybody sat through it, but after a minute, I'm like, "This ain't dying down. I'm out." And they're like, "No, no, don't, 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 don't dude. I'm freaking out of here." Yeah. So yeah. I remember going down the fire stair and being thrown from, from side, side to side, hitting the wall. I can clear my. And everybody followed us. Forty people. We went out into the street, and it was just like jelly. The the road was the cars were just like just going along, kind of frightening. And these tower cranes you could see in the distance were swinging, and their jibs were doing this because wow. they were like. Yeah. Go wow. really, I would say 10 degrees they were yeah wow I, I way more than uh, they're designed to 
So it was fright. It was a really frightening uh, moment. Um, and I think what people sort of, I mean, there's you know, twenty five thousand people uh, lost. Um, there was it was it was two two three hundred kilometers of coastline was mm. was hit by that tsunami, mm. Mm. and um, over two hundred fifty thousand homes were completely destroyed by the tsunami. And six hundred thousand were badly damaged. It's about a million homes that either were there's a quarter of a million that were demolished, pretty much uninhabitable. And then I think and then there was another number about the same that had to be demolished. And then uh, yeah, so, so there was a million homes that that, that were uh, in, in, impacted by this, and so many families. Yeah. So Japanese government pretty efficient. Uh, they've got all of these. Um, uh, shelters uh or these temporary homes in storage and um they within three months uh they'd built acres and acres of these generally on sports fields on mm -hmm. flat areas uh, above sea level in, in school playgrounds and things like that so these were all built uh for uh people that lost their, their homes yeah and these were pretty soulless places, yeah. They were corrugated roofs, but at least they got somewhere. You know? Well, because they were undercover, yeah. And, and they were going to be there for a couple of years or some five, in fact, ten years. Some of them are still still there. And Toyo Ito was was um, again. People kind of knew it, it was it was very difficult to go to the area. People kind of knew these are these tsunamis come every hundred years. And and when we're, the area we were looking uh, at, um, there's completely there's nothing there. That all the houses have been demolished. But we've come we've come onto this big mound to to overlook to see. This. Yeah. Oh, if you come up here, you can look over and see see the, sort of the, all of the devastation. And so on this mound, there are like these three stones. I mean, what are these stones? Oh, oh, there. The, this is this is the refuge. And these are the stones when the last earth when the last tsunamis came. You know, so every hundred years, this gets right. flushed out. Yeah, and this this was the mound that you go up on to to, to escape. That's where everybody yeah. runs away to, and, and and they get kind of forget that, and then slowly over time, it gets built up, and then something will happen. So it was nineteen oh three was the last tsunami there, and there's a on this one of the schools, there's a mark on the wall where the water came to, like like you know, sort of yeah. seven hundred mil up, eight hundred mil up. There's a line. That says 1903 in it. That's where the water came in. Yeah. So, so wow. there's this, there's this, you know, the, so people accept that, 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 that it comes. Um, and, you know, just to go pushing in was kind of difficult, you know, we're going to help save everybody. But there was that little bit of um, pride there, which was difficult. But over time, so Ito san thought that, you know, these, the, all these temporary homes, you know, kids are being born there. There's no sense of pride, you know, no yeah. sense of civic pride. Yeah. No, you know, they, they can be there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Is there a way we could improve, not not just the things that have been wiped out, but immediately could we do something in these um, in these temporary housing areas and build a community centre, a home for all, for, for, for people, uh, that they could come together and they could be funny little bits of architecture and kids could, you know, would grow up there and there's a sense of pride that people are thinking about them. And that's how this Home for All project um, was yeah, wow. uh, sort it's, of conceived. That's how it's conceived, um, yeah. It, by, so, by need and then also by, again, approaching it from the point of where this isn't a community that they're going to stay here two nights. This is a community right. where they're going to stay here two years. Correct, correct. Yeah. So we've we've worked out what the hell is going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was an instant sort of uh, reaction. So um, Astrid and I are on the. So we're on the board. Uh, it's mm -hmm. Sejima San, 
uh, Ito-san um, and a few other architects. Uh, one of the first, so Ito-san did the first projects. Um, in fact, yeah, so he, they, he built the first project. They did another project uh, with Su Fujimoto. Uh, and that won um, uh, one, one of the architect, big, big architectural prize. And that really helped kick off this thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a team of us now and we've built 17, 17 homes um, in the Tohoku region. Yeah? We raised all the money for them as well. So the project we did uh, in Soma City, which is very, very close to um, the exclusion zone for the nuclear um, yep. power plant. Yep. Uh, and ours is more about uh, giving a place for kids to play because they can't play outside or they couldn't play outside at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I, I ran Tokyo Marathon, raised 65 grand. Then we got Sutaya, our bookstore client, uh, to, we got people to donate points from yep. their point cards. Yep. And we raised a quarter of a million dollars ourselves and worked with the community there to build this home for all there. So each of the architects works, as you say, very closely yeah. in the community uh, to try and bring um, some civic pride back so what what so that was going on in tohoku then there was a huge earthquake um in kyushu mm -hmm. um in Kyoto area and um there were two major earthquakes in fact and uh we've built 70 homes uh down there uh and so there's this there's this whole you know so, so we now know what to do yeah and um you know there's our thoughts with everybody in t turkey at the moment i was about yeah. to say because you know that's um, that's the next we, place we, you we needed be the, yeah so you know um we tend to be kind of sort of the last responders really mm. um we have to let the first responders do their do 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 their thing uh but we do have sort of knowledge and thoughts and and, and, and ideas of how you how you cope with all of these people that that have got nowhere and lots uh, of experience, a lots of experience, experience. And, and and beyond that, um, with a foundation not just in the emergency but in the view of it's a community that will develop. And if you give people pride in their community, then it's it, people come. It, it it brings them together. It brings them joy. It's not just um, yeah. survive. It becomes thrive. And then from thrive, you get your next level of what happens. Cause there'd be kids that are born in those places and will grow up, you know, yeah. their first yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. five, seven years of their life in them. What's, what's been interesting. So with these little community centers and then the, the you know, the, the, mm. the, the, um, the temporary homes around it they become really nice as you say really nice communities in fact people don't want to leave them that's the problem i can imagine we build you a nice new home oh no we're fine here yeah but no, no, this is very comfortable especially the older people don't, don't, don't want to move they love it there yeah <laughs> so, yeah and they've got their friends around them exactly maybe they could just them. turn them into rest homes like into, into villages there's been some, yeah, th again, there's all this stuff going on, but with all sorts of different experiences, diff different things happen in different mm. di different areas, yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, well, well hopefully it gets to, you get to work with the disaster in Turkey and, and it'd be really interesting to see what that does in a cultural perspective as well, just the different culture from the different countries and uh, yeah, yeah, how absolutely. that would be. Yeah, the people are going through the same emotions, um, and they're yeah, going through yeah, the same yeah. hardship, but yeah, the other would be the yeah, fascinating. And it's funny, with 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 with, with Pachakcha, we've been running this Inspire project. Um, mm -hmm. so, in, so we ran after the earthquake in in Japan. Uh, we won this. We ran this Inspire Japan. So could, we asked people to make presentations that would inspire Japan. Yep. 
Um, Japan's yeah. inspired the world. It's been very inspirational. Could you do something? And so we ran an event just a month after the earthquake, actually, here. Uh, and um, we've run a bunch of those now. One inspired Kukumamoto after the uh, earthquake there. Then we've done one for Nepal. Yeah. Um, yep. So then, then we did one during you know those first few months of the pandemic, which we called Inspire the World. And um, we yeah, held three major, major events on online. Um, I was, I think it was April the twenty, around April time in twenty twenty. You know when it was that those yep. really dark. Yep. Yeah. Um, when everybody was so, so uncertain about what was going to happen. Yeah. When there was all the people, we've got people. We had. Um, we had Eve Beha, the product designer from San Francisco. Um, you know, he was designing the, those, those first PPE plastic things yep. you could print. You know, he was all over the news and he agreed to a yep. presentation for us and how you make masks and all of that. It was at that moment. So we've got a great record of that as well, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so those fantastic. two things sort of link, link together a little Well, bit. again, actually, you know, like you think of what you can do with PK and in, in just in Turkey, Um over the next year or 18 months again pulling community and people understanding who is in their community and so it opens up who's in their city or in this space and how do they support and love each other and you know then again it as say if i just put a big dot around you i'd say community you know it's like it's what (laughs) you do but you use architecture to do it but beyond architecture you use voice um Mm. and presentation as well so yeah, I, I actually think that the you know the genius of it all is James going because he obviously kicked your ass hard <laughs> enough that uh, exactly. <laughs> that no, you he ended was up a, in Japan and made the difference. Oh man, we have so many James. He he passed away a few years ago. He was ninety two, I think. But um, he was a real um, you know, sort of amazing, amazing guy. He said you always you need you need to limber up before you do a drawing. You know, you can't just do a drawing. No, you need to loosen you know, up. You, loosen up and and it's you know and, and totally focused on the drawing he'd kept every single drawing he'd ever drawn you know in his, Bloody in his hell. yeah <laughs> well, well there was more than two i'm picking yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so we're, we're we're always sort of you know we'll do, doing this in the office we're just yeah like limbering up to, I'm, as, 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 I'm just limbering up to do a drawing you know? yeah I'm, I'm, I'm about to draw can you tell <laughs> but but also what a great um a great like shift so you you shift your physiology which shifts your thinking as well and if you do limber up it transitions you and you do you limber up okay well i'm going to do some drawing and you have a laugh about it because you know like yeah i'm just gonna lift my pen and (laughs) (laughs) um but that's yeah i mean it's brilliant like that really really brilliant like that i've got one i've got one last question which is if you had one last project that you could do, I ask a lot of guests this, oh, oh, that's and so then you sad. can't do anything else. That's it. You're done, man. You're finished. What would you do? <laughs> and it can sad. be as selfish or as as expansive as you want. It's like, what would you choose? Because oh, I think that sad. you've done in your that's architectural career. Question, you know, I think that's that's pretty tough. You know, it is. Um, it's I, it's I, the impossible I think... answer. I, I think I would take um, a leaf out of um, T- Toyo Ito's book. Um, he's uh, he's 80 now, and he runs a school of architecture for kids. Mm. And every Saturday, 
Uh, in fact, as Astrid te teaches there every other Saturday. Um, and I think uh, building something that is uh, sort of, you know, a leg something that embodies all of your learnings in, in your life into something that that can give can you know you you can pass it forward uh to other, other other children so all your experiences he said he's bored of teaching students you know and and, and doing lectures but the kids are where you should be focusing your time so yeah a school of architecture for children is i think what uh <laughs> i'd want i'd want to build you know the klein diatom school of architecture for children would be a pretty good uh thing inspired pretty, by toyo ito i think yeah yeah it would be a pretty cool uh, legacy because <laughs> 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 kids kids that uh, kids are amazing you know and and why, why is you know when my son said well why is why, why is the why is the sky blue papa you know well i had to, had to i had to look it up we also had to look up at why why is the sea salty you know yeah <laughs> so it's that pure Thought, you know and uh it's also the reason we keep you know our office is very flat yeah everybody has a word everybody can say what they think everybody's got different experiences and and different education and right every, and, every, and everything is valid you know? i was about um, to say so every so, everybody gets the voice everything's valid yeah mm. yeah no it's, that's super super important because mm. we, we get stuck in our our ways and our colors and our materials oh and yeah yeah you, you yeah. know new staff come in and the, you know they don't mm. know who the talking heads is and don't know who 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 um uh you know any um the, any hierarchy or anything else yeah they they yeah exactly it's just a completely different so people that you know architects that don't know who the talking heads are grace Jones, it's just like what you know they're 25 and they don't know it's not it's not just one it's it's most of them don't it's like what <laughs> yeah. i do know um so it's it's interesting to have there's an architect i don't know that we've released his show yet but his name's morris Edgeme. And he is from New York City. And uh, some of the conversations I've had with Morris are just about those things. You know, we're talking about Bowie and we're talking about these things yeah, that, yeah, that shaped. David yeah, David Who, yeah. Um, <laughs> that shaped shapes our culture and stuff. And a much simpler time in a lot of ways, a lot rawer. And, yeah. uh, you know, like you said, with talking heads and these kinds of things, they and and right now there's somebody creating that same relevance in the culture that our kids are listening to as well yeah so yeah, yeah. no it's, it's, yeah, it's super an interesting. interesting thing mm. mark unbelievably great conversation adrian <laughs> thanks so much really enjoyable <laughs> so good so good we'll post all your socials all that kind of stuff and great. i look forward to catching up with you soon enjoy the snow this weekend yeah i'm going out to sweep sweep the drive now so. go mad go mad have fun okay. it'll be brilliant all right I'll talk to you very okay. soon bye-bye from Tokyo. cheers buddy thank you bye bye-bye richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute clean simple sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. 
It's almost like, imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.